There it is. So how you been? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Honestly, I've had one of the best weeks I can remember for based on like like my own personal self improvement and stuff. It's just it's just been phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I got rid of my toothache. My daughter's not sick anymore. Perfect. That's Two awesome. very productive days at work and I got a new haircut, so Looking good. Oh, oh, and I found eggnog at the grocery store, which I'm excited about. <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday I was on the morning brew with Hunter Drew. And that was, honestly, I'm still on cloud nine from that. It was just such a surreal experience because for me, because honestly, I don't, I think that me to be included with those three great men that I was on there with is just such an honor for me. And I've been at this Twitter game for a year. And it kind of feels like like I'm finally getting out the opportunities that I need to where I can get my message out there to more people, you know. Oh, it was so, a great show. I know what you mean when uh, Chance Lucifer had me on the uh, Logo Centrifugal podcast. Yeah. I was, I was on cloud nine for several days after that. Right, right. It, it's just been – it's been so surreal to me. But um, we're here to talk about – oh, and I ordered – um initial inventory for my store coming up so very cool i'm really looking forward to that i haven't told anybody yet but since the people to give the people some added incentive um i'm looking at starting a shampoo company for for men so we're going to be selling shampoo and conditioner i'm not going to say the name yet because i don't want anybody to copy it but it, it's the product is supposed to arrive november 5th and so I'm hoping to get the store launched almost immediately after that. So we're looking at November 6th or 7th, we're going to get the store going. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Sweet. Like I told you, I'm going to be one of your first customers. <laughs> you need to hurry up because I'm out of shampoo and I'm using my wife's. <laughs> well, go buy, go buy some because it's going to be a little <laughs> while. Um, like, I said, I'm gonna, like I said on Twitter earlier, I'm going to be running a pre-sale. So it's going to be um, on the 6th or the 7th. Whenever I get the store launched, it's going to be a pre-sale type system. And then I'm going to run that for about a week while I get the labels on the bottles, figure out the shipping and everything. Um, but I'm trying to get the product on the market right away. And then from there, I'll just figure things out and then end the pre-sale about a week later and ship my things out. And then it's full sales ahead from there. So that's that's what I'm at, where I'm at right now. If everything goes right, that'll be where I'm sticking with. But if everything doesn't go right, then I'm going to have to change some of that plan. So we'll see. But, um, very cool. Anything? I'm excited for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have anything else that you'd like to talk about before we get started? No. I'm All right. Good. All right. So we're here to talk about Joe, but before we get into that, do you want to say a prayer real quick? Absolutely. Sounds good. Father, I thank you once again for bringing us together this week. Lord, I ask that you, uh, instill your wisdom upon us, Lord, that so that we speak your truths, that we don't lead anyone astray in, in, in our talkings and our studying. Lord, I also want to ask that you open the hearts to any of our listeners, Father, and you open mine and mine and Kyle's heart, Lord, that, that we may receive from each other. We thank you for this, Father, and for every breath that we take and for this beautiful day that we've all had today. We got up out of bed this morning alive. It was a good day. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask it all. Amen. 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 Very good. So um, when I said Job, because it was my idea to do Job, and I didn't realize that the chapter of Job was 42 chapters, that the book of Job was 42 chapters long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're so, like Job. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I'm going to do with the summary is I'm going to, I was kind of challenging you. you. You made me do John the Baptist last time, so I'm going to give you a challenge this time with Job. But what I'm going to no, do is good. see, I tackled it a little bit different. I didn't tackle his character so much as the uh, major lessons that's pulled out of the book of Job. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do for the summary is I'm just going to kind of go through the major points of his life and what happened to him. And then, so really it's just the first two chapters, but then, and then the last chapter, but then the whole book is fair game. When we do the, the actual study, we'll, we can go through any, any verse within the book of Job. All right. And so, Job was a wealthy man of God. So he started off his life with, um, right here it says, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, so 500 donkeys. And 
he was he was a rich man he was a wealthy man but at one point satan approached god and said that he's been walking all over the earth he's looking for people whose lives he could interfere with who he could um torment i guess but tempt would be the answer probably and he said he's been walking throughout the whole earth and god pointed out job and said well did you get job (laughs) and so he pointed out job to satan telling him that Job is a perfect servant of God, and and he essentially suggested that Satan could do anything he wanted to to Job, and Job would still be a perfect servant of God. But Satan said, no, no way. He made a bet with God that Job was only faithful because he was rich. And Satan essentially said, if Job lost everything, then he wouldn't he would curse God. He w- he wouldn't be praising God anymore. And so God took the bet and said, told Satan that. He could touch all of Job's belongings, everything that belonged to Job. So his family, his um, his farm, his animals, his friends, everything. But he could not touch Job himself. And so Satan did that. Satan took his servants, his oxen, his sheep, his camels, his ch- and his children. And this happened all at once. So as one person is sitting there telling Job, okay, this happened, another person walks up and okay, your sheep are dead and okay, your children are dead. And Job's initial reaction after everything was taken from him was to worship God. And then Satan goes back to God a second time and says the same thing and says, I've been walking all over the earth. I haven't found anybody that I could tempt. And God said, what about Job again? Have you, um, how did it go with Job? And then um, Satan gets permission from God that where he can touch Job directly. And so at the, the first time it was all of Job's belongings. Now he can take Job's health from him. And anything short of kill Job, Satan can do to him. And so he gives him these boils, these sores all over his entire body. And Job's wife tells at at that point, so... His, everything's been taken from him. His health is gone. He's got sores all over his body. He's miserable. His wife says to him, curse God and die because his, his wife's tempting him. Um, but Job still remains faithful. And then that's through Job chapter two. In Job chapter three, he spends the entire chapter wishing that he was never born. So while he doesn't, he doesn't curse God, he doesn't say anything wrong against God. He does wish that he had, he was never born. And then he basically spends 40 chapters complaining, being mocked, um, being scolded, being tempted, and trying to justify why these terrible things have happened to him. And um, one of the things that he really struggles with is why would this happen to me? I've been faithful to God. Why would it not happen to somebody less righteous, somebody more wicked than me? And he really struggles with that. And then finally in chapter 42 so job goes uh, i don't know how long he he lived with this these swords on him and with nothing but he was miserable for 40 chapters and then in chapter 42 god has mercy on him and he restores job to his former glory glory in fact he doubled everything so if he had um if he had 7000 sheep before now he has 14000 and if he had 3000 camels now he has 6000 and he gave all he gave him all new children, a new wife, everything. His whole life was restored and doubled. And so that's really the story of Job's life. And then we can get into the notes. All right, to answer your question, um how long he was afflicted, Job seven three says, so I've been allotted months of futility and worrisome nights have been appointed to me. So even though it's not a specific time frame right. we know job suffered for months months yeah. with the afflictions that's wild how long did your toothache last do what how long did your toothache last uh total about three weeks okay now picture 10 times that yeah i'm, I'm good three months or even maybe even three years and that was only a toothache he had sores on his entire body not to, mention, not to mention losing his family and losing his wealth. And, right, and everything. He lost it. He was miserable. You know, the Bible says that he was the wealthiest man on the face of the earth. Right. When this happened to him. And, you know, 
at that period of time, a man was judged by how large his family was, how much livestock he owned. Right. Yeah, that, that was your wealth. Right. You're much more of a, of a barter system back then. Oh, and you said ass while we were talking about the Bible. I just want to say. <laughs> it was in the Bible. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what one of the main subjects that the book of Job um, tackles is why do the righteous suffer? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that uh, we see going on in the world today. Why is there violence? Why is there there mass slaughterings and disease and slavery and rapes and genocides and you know why does all this go on and this is something that the book of Job you know it, it covers the evil of the world of Satan the suffering and comfort and interestingly if you read through your Bible from front to back the book of Job is the first time Satan is really introduced to us as the adversary to mm. mankind yeah because didn't Job live before Moses Yes. I've, I've always heard that. I don't know when exactly he lived, but I, I think that even though it comes after the chap, after Esther and it comes after the story of Moses, I think that he was alive beforehand. Well, the uh, placement of Job in the Bible is interesting because if you look at the Hebrew Bible, he, some of them place him after the book of Psalms and some of them place after the book of Proverbs. Really? So, so Job is a... Um, it's a historical document, but it, it obviously wasn't written by Job. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say Moses wrote it. Some say Solomon wrote it. Some say uh, Elijah wrote it. Mm-hmm. You know, But if you look at Job, it's written very poetically. It's actually considered one of the poetic books of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. So there are... Uh, so, you know, back to back to suffering. You know, look, look at what he had. Look at how good of a man he was and look at what he lost. You know, it's there there's there's two kind of sufferings, I think. Um one of them in this case was a test from God. Um I wrote it down somewhere right here. Uh, suffering may sometimes be allowed in our lives to purify, to test, to teach, or to strengthen the soul by showing us that when we have lost all, that only God remains mm-hmm. and that God is enough. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the story of this book. You know, As far as the other reason people suffer, it's a fallen world, but that's another topic for another day. Right, right. But uh, if, if you look at the suffering Job went through and then parallel it to the... Uh, the Hebrews, when they were in slavery in Egypt, you know, look at all the suffering that they endured, and God raised them out of that and turned them into a great nation. Right. So I think we've covered this before in other podcasts that God strengthens us and builds us and creates a better version of us a lot of times through suffering. Mm-hmm. Pain demands a response. Yep. <clears throat> I also think that we suffer for... Because, and it kind of goes with the strengthening of the soul, but if we don't have the bad times for to suffer through, we're not going to be able to recognize the good times. And we're not going to be able to, right, right. So without those bad times, we're not going to know God in the good times. But because we have bad times and because we have back to that spiritual warfare and because we have um, hardship in our lives, that we use God to, that God helps us through. We, without God, we couldn't get through them, but because he helps us through that, those hardships, we can appreciate the good times and we can still glorify God through the good times. Well, you made me think of something. Keep talking. Um, that's all I have about that. <laughs> I was hoping that you would go, you would fill in. <laughs> all I did, it just, uh, it knocked something into me. I just have to find it. Bear with me, everybody.
you think by now I'd be prepared for your comments. <laughs> I see you got uh you got Nathan this morning. What do you mean? On the on the uh, morning brew. Oh, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yesterday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I watched it this morning. Frame I was listening to one. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I've seen you catch him a couple times. And I was sitting there watching the podcast going, yeah, he does that to me every week. <laughs> the thing is, on that morning, Boo, I I made a point, which we're probably going to get into later, but now's not the time on the podcast. But I made a point, and I've been, I haven't stopped thinking about it, about that idea of um, God being all good or, or not all good, you know, and – I, I just can't stop thinking about it because I'm almost positive that the point that I made on there was wrong, but I'm not, I don't know. You're talking about Jesus being rebellious or yeah. peaceful. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. But like I said, I'm almost positive that I'm wrong, but those are my thoughts as of right now. And he hasn't revealed anything else to me. God hasn't revealed a real answer to me as of now. So I'm just kind of running with it, you know? Right. I have some thoughts I'm going to throw in there and we'll put mm. my two cents worth in at the end of this. Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting okay. for you to make your point right now. Okay. So back back to uh, what, what comment did you just make about Jeff? Um, I said that without the bad times, we wouldn't have the good times. And we need that suffering so that we can, God helps us through the suffering so that we can um, appreciate the good times. And he, God, we can't get through the suffering ourselves, but because we have God through that, we can still have him through the good times also. Right. All right. So I, it, it, it brings me to uh, Matthew chapter six, uh, verse 19, where Christ said, lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up upon yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of fruit. That's the same chapter that talks about fasting, isn't it? And how you're supposed to fast in silence. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Yeah, yeah right after that, it talks about uh, you know trusting the Lord, provide for everything. Mm-hmm. He clothes the lilies of the field. How much greater are you than they? Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. The whole Sermon on the Mount. Is, which is like chapters five through seven, I think. Uh, was my favorite part of the Bible period. So uh, if I cut in and out, I apologize. I got a little bit of a cough. I think I picked up a little bit of my daughter's virus. That's okay. Um. So what Job had to learn here was. Well, well, not even that he learned it. He he already practiced it, which was the reason he was so blessed. But even through losing everything, you know, his treasures on earth, his true treasure was still in heaven. You know, he was a man that feared God and worshipped God, and he was he he was one of the the closest walking with God on earth. That's the whole reason that the whole test commenced mm-hmm. was Satan, so that Satan could prove to God that Job would turn from him. Right, and and you know, at one point, it almost looks like he's going to turn from him. You know, his friends, uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they were sitting there, you know, curse God, curse God. But uh, his fourth friend, Elihu, is the one that tells him he needs to humble himself and submit to God through all this. Right. Um, Elihu is another person they think actually wrote the book of Job. So it's, it's one of the many many lessons um, glancing through my notes right here it's interesting um, when you said I, I just lost where I was going with that oh when you said that everybody around him was cursing God and blaming God and that started immediately so in I made a note of it in Job chapter 1 and verse 16 um, so the people are telling Job, they're relaying the message of he's just lost everything. And one of the people that's telling him this says, and while he was yet speaking, there's another. So another person came and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven 
and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I tell, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And so right away he says, the fire of God has come and destroyed your stuff. When right. in reality, it was, it was Satan destroying the stuff, but all God just allowed it to happen, you know? So they're automatically blaming God. Oh, God's the reason for all your problems. But yeah. Yeah. And they, and they told him, said, obviously you've sinned in your life and this is right. retribution for your sin. Right. But I just thought it was interesting that that started right away. It started immediately in chapter one before, before he, his body had been touched before he had the sores all over. Him. He had just lost all of his stuff and they immediately blamed God. And I thought that was interesting. Right. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that God himself's the one that said, Hey, Satan, there, you know, Job over here tried Job out. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, that's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> how would you like him? How would you like him to say, Hey, we got Joseph Smith down here. Come, to, come get him. <laughs> oh man. No, but it, you know, it, it's part of spiritual warfare, I think, because this Job, what happened to Job was a test from God. But you know, God knew, right? God knew how faithful Job was. God knew how Job would respond. You know, if you look over at uh, Luke chapter twelve, verses six and uh, verses six and seven, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them was forgotten before God. Verse seven, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear; therefore, you are more value than any than many sparrows. So, you know, that verse is telling you how God knows the very number of hair on your head. Right. God God knows how many grains of sand are in the sea. Right. God knows how many blades of grass are on the earth. You know, it, God knew Job, and he knew how Job would respond. Mm-hmm. And as God knew, Job did not respond the way Satan thought he would. Job's right. friends did, but Job himself did not. Right. You know, Job... Uh, he couldn't understand why it was happening, but you know, in uh, Job chapter two, verse 10, he said, but, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not send with his lips. So, you know, his wife was, was questioning what was going on. And Job said, everything we have, God gave us. We didn't question it when he gave it to us. Why are we going to question it now that he's taking it away from us? Right. You know, that, that is, that is faithfulness that I think most people would not, would not have at all. Right. Right. You know, why most of us, what would we do? What, why is God doing this to me? Why did I lose everything? What did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. And Job's like, well, he give it to us. He can take it away from us. You know, what's the, right. What's the big deal? Right. And the thing is like, talk about an iron mindset and an iron will that, that Job had. So, for God to know he's got the will to serve me, to serve God. And I don't think I could do it. You know, if all of my friends were saying, Hey man, it's God's fault. You need to do something. You need to like, God's doing this to you. I feel like I would probably succumb to the peer pressure. You know, I don't think I would be that strong. If all of my friends, if I had no encouragement in the entire world and all this terrible stuff was happening to me, I don't know that I would be strong enough. So there's something to be said for that. So yeah, it's um, it, it it comes down to whether you you're seeking to grow from a situation or whether you're seeking vindication from a situation. Right, right. Um, it, it's all attitude. How you approach it with God is how well you're going to weather the storm mm-hmm. or the situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, heaven forbid. I get my truck tomorrow morning and I total my truck and I get the money to fix it or, or go, you know, th- th- I live in Mississippi, half the population don't have insurance. Right. So, you know, I'm stuck. I, I can either, God, why'd you let this happen to me? What am I going to do now? Or I was like, God, well, I guess you wanted me to lose weight and I need to walk from here. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's all about attitude and, right. and, not, and life periods all about attitude, not just how you approach God. But uh, I think the way you approach life, as a person is a good indicator of how you approach God. So mm-hmm. that's the way we can check ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, to see if we got the, the right mental attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, Christianity is spiritual warfare. Serving God is a, is a, is a fight, you know, from rebirth to the grave. We're fighting a battle. 
you know, what happened to Job just proves that. Hmm. That's a perspective I hadn't heard before. I'd heard the, I'd always heard the aspect like you were talking about is why is there suffering? And I'd always heard about how terrible Job had it, but I never heard the whole, how we mentally approach it. And I think that's a real good point that you just made. If you look at Job uh, 33, 12 through 22, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but it said, uh, look in, hold on. look in this, you're not righteous. I will answer you for God is greater than man. Why do you contend with him? For he does not give accounting for any of his words. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. So, you know, that goes to, man, I know I should rely on my computer. Hold on. <laughs> just let me flip through it in the Bible. So it didn't go as far as I want In a dream... In a dream and a vision of the night when deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings of the bed, then he opened his ears of men and sealed their instructions that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. He chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones were strong. So that life abhorreth bread and a soul dainty meat. So the book. Like I said, the book's written very poetically. But uh, what we're talking about here is um, how you focus on it in, in your trial. And any trial that you're... you're uh, sorry, I had a squirrel moment. Any trial that you're facing in your life. Mm-hmm. So in... Um, this is like verse 16 is perfect. Then he opened his ears of men and sealed their instructions. So he could either listen to them or have them listen to him. And right. and that's how we do it because, you know, our friends, all of our friends have input in whatever happens in our lives. Somebody's going to have something to say about whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Your girl cheated on you. Half of them's got your back. Half of them's asking you what you did wrong, you know. And you've seen that with Job's friends and you see the attitude that they took with it is what did you do wrong? There's a sin in your life that you that, that God's seeking retribution for. And Job had a different attitude. Well, I haven't done nothing wrong. You know, God gave it to me. God can take it away from me. Right. So very much, you know, it's like going to the gym. You work out a lot. You work out more than I do. So it's mental. When, you, mm-hmm. when your muscles start getting tired and start aching, do you give into it or do you push past it? Right, right. You know, when I was in the Army, I found out quickly when I was doing two-mile runs and five-mile runs that just when I thought I couldn't go any further, I could actually go twice as far, twice as fast from that point. Yeah. Your mind your mind definitely restricts you a lot. So it, it, it's the same way with uh, a trial in life. You know, God knows what's going on in your life at all times. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the book of Job teaches us that Satan can't attack us without God's permission. So, you know, the the point I'm making, I guess I'm, I'm rambling into this, but you have to have a good mental attitude. So if you have a trial in your life, you just have to trust God. I mean, I've been to the point not very long ago where I had no money and couldn't pay the bills. My wife was stressing out and I was sitting on the couch watching TV and she mm-hmm. kind of got mad at me. Cause I wasn't stressing with her. And I was like, baby, God's got me through the works. Right. We got this. Right. And I kid you not. Um, prior to that, I had taken out a loan against my 401k. So we had a $400 light bill due. Or we were going to get cut off. And this has been quite a while back. And, uh, it was like three ninety eight or something like that. And like, we were a couple days from getting cut off. I'd taken out a loan previously against my 401k when my employer, when I was paying back my loan, took out more money than I borrowed. So the day before my power got cut off, I got a check in the mail for $563 Hmm. that I'd overpaid on my loan. There was the power bill. Right. So Uh my wife stressed for a good week and I didn't worry at all. And Hmm. the money came. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know it was my money, but, you know, the, the way I looked at it was God allowed me to overpay this mm-hmm. so that he could send this back to me when I needed it. Mm-hmm. So it, 
it don't have to be a hard trial. It can be any trial. It can be anything you're doing. You know, just trust that God. It's the point of Job. Job trusted God all the way through. He had some questioning at one point. God, why are you doing this to me? But he still didn't question God himself. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I got that. So by faith, we're back to Matthew chapter 6 again. You know, by trusting that God's going to provide, that God's going to see you through it, that everything's going to be according to God's will. And as soon as you accept it, anxiety's gone, stress is gone, a bad situation's not quite as bad as it seemed a minute beforehand. Right. Going on that, that trusting God plays right into my next note that I had. It was in uh, Job chapter 19, verse 25 and 26. It says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms, and my and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I still I shall see God. And so it he even though he understands that even though this all this bad stuff is happening to me and I'm in extreme pain and I'm miserable, that even if I were to die today, I would get to go to see God, you know. And it's that song, I'm a winner either way, if I if I live or if I go. I'm a winner either way. So if I live, I get more days here on earth than to serve God. But if I if I die today, then I get to go be with him and I get to praise him for eternity. And I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. And that, that that's right back to the uh, the mental aspect of it again. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I had a, had a very good friend of mine in the church die here recently of uh, lung cancer. I think I told you about that a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day before he died, he, he was so happy. He's like, man, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. He said, I get mm-hmm. to go home. Mm-hmm. And I told him this. I'm a little bit jealous of you. <laughs> you know, tell everybody, you know, the old country song, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. And, you know, that's that's where I sit, but I got a five-year-old daughter. Right. You know, once she's grown and taken care of and, and she's out and she's doing her thing and I don't have to work, daddy don't have to worry so much, mm-hmm. then I, I'm happy with going home. Yep. But, you know, I've said it before. We're all just visitors here. Right, right. We're citizens of heaven. We're just visitors here. Earth is a tourist attraction. We're just passing through. Yep, yep. All right, so unless if you have any other notes, we can get into the hard questions. (laughs) I do, but I'm really curious about the hard questions. All right, how about you go and then I'll go. No, no, I'll save mine for the end. It's more of a conclusion anyway. Okay. Um, so yesterday I was asked on the morning on the morning brew, is Jesus peaceful or is he a revolutionary? And then I, I'm going to add to that and say, is God always good all the time as Christians want us to believe? All right. So is Jesus peaceful or, or is he a revolutionary? revolutionary okay. yeah we'll break this in half so go with that first so uh we're gonna go with that first i'm going to say neither neither i'm going to disagree with you but i want to hear why first jesus said i came not to bring peace but a sword right so he's not so it's not exactly peaceful jesus didn't come to bring peace he came to stir up the lot he came and, and this isn't revolutionary he came to stir up he, he came to show everybody the wrong he come to show them where they were sinning, the Pharisees, what they were doing wrong. The children of Israel was going the wrong way. Jesus' ministry was to the Hebrews. He didn't come to minister to the Gentiles. You know, a Gentile woman approached him at the well, and he called her a dog. Mm-hmm. So Jesus by no means came to bring peace. He comes to bring peace on the second coming, but not the first time. He came to stir the pot and to right. set people straight. So it, it depends on, I guess it depends on your definition of peace. Did he come to bring peace to the heart and the soul? Absolutely. I have a peace inside me I've never experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And it comes from knowing Christ. Mm-hmm. But judging by the question of peace or revolutionary, I'm, I'm thinking more of a conflict standpoint. Mm-hmm. So the reason I say neither is Jesus is God in the flesh. God is neutral. God right. is God. He is set in his way. Everything is according to his will. When something's not done, He's like a parent that pulls out the belt and whips her kid. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think I could call him peaceful or 
or revolutionary. I don't think I can call God good or bad. God right. created evil if you really want to get down into it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a verse in the seven. Bible. Do what? Isaiah 45, 7. There you go. I knew there was a verse. I didn't know the, uh, the yeah, address of it. I only know it because Roman McClay told me about it. Um, but it's, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. I'm going to take the opposite perspective of what you just did. And I'm going to say that he's both peaceful and revolutionary. And that's because I Googled the definition of revolutionary and it is involving or causing a complete or dramatic change. And I think that what Jesus's entire life is involving or causing a complete or dramatic change because he not only changed my life and your life and every Christian's life, but he also, when he was here on earth living, shook up the entire Jewish religion, created the entire Christian, all of Christianity. And so I'm going to say that he is very much revolutionary. And maybe not so much in the way that we think, because we think of, like, when we think revolutionary, we think of the Revolutionary War. Shout out to Patriot, which Joseph Smith was in. <laughs> um, we think of, like, the Revolutionary War, and we think very much violence. But I think that when you think of revolutionary from the perspective of bringing about change, I think that he very much was a revolutionary. But at the and, same time. In that it, sense, yes. Um, but the way, like I said, the way the question was formatted, peaceful mm -hmm. or revolutionary, it, right. it, 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 the question's worded towards the conflict stance of that. Right. Word, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, I understand. So, so as far as making a change in the world, oh, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. He was revolutionary in what he did. He didn't shake up the Jewish religion really that much but he shook a large enough sect off right. that it changed the world. Right, right. You know, Judaism really, there hasn't been a big shaking in Judaism until the 1950s with the uh, Jewish movement. Yeah. I need to look into that. I, I saw you tweet about that. I sent I'm, that tweet to myself get, so that I can look into it. You're making me seasick. I'm sorry. I've been moving <laughs> around a lot. I, I normally sit at my desk, but my chair was creaking out. It was bothering me, so I moved to the couch. And so now I got my laptop on my lap, and that's why that's why it's moving so much. <laughs> and just waving up and down. I was like, you know, yeah. last time I see this, I was on the Atlantic Ocean. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, um, I guess we probably agree then in that in that case, because from the revolutionary perspective, if you think about it as bringing change, he absolutely was a revolutionary. But if you think about it from a conflict perspective, not so much because um obviously he didn't cause that much conflict people wanted him to over, overthrow the roman government and he did not do that right and so i guess i guess we kind of agree we just thought we just approached it from different standpoints right and but, the sam the standpoint i brought you know the reason the jews rejected him as messiah is because they thought he was coming as a warrior right right so you know from that standpoint yeah now to the question of whether god is good or evil mm-hmm um, not good or evil or, or good or bad. No, not even that. It's the question was, is he always good all the time? Or is, does he pick and choose who he can be good with or when he can be good? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? God is our heavenly father. So mm -hmm. I look at God very much as a parent figure and as a parent myself, you know, I'm neither I wouldn't call myself bad to my children, but I know how to punish them if they do something wrong. To, go, to call God. All right, so I'd like to start off by saying I apologize for that. We had a little bit of a break in there. And so what, where we left off was um, we were just getting into the idea of is God always good or is he sometimes good? And you had made a point, but I forget what the point is, so I'd like you to make it again. Okay. So we call God our Heavenly Father. Christ called him our Heavenly Father. So I approach that oh, yeah. with a uh, with the mentality of God as a parent and us as his children, which the Bible calls us that. Mm -hmm. So I won't say I, I would say he's I said neither before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change my thought. God's always good. Okay. But God punishes us when we do something bad. Mm-hmm. And it's done, it's done out of love, just like we punish our child. 
Mm-hmm. You know, whether we send them a timeout or, you know, some people spank their kids or whatever your punishment is, God whoops us. Right. You know, if I, if I fall into sin and fall off the path and God's going to get my attention one way or the other. Right. Okay. So going off of that, what about Job? Because Job essentially did nothing wrong. And God allowed all this awful stuff to happen to him. Okay, so that that goes back to um, Job was a couple of different things. Job was a test for one. Mm-hmm. God does test us. Mm-hmm. He tests our loyalty to Him. He tastes. He he takes, uh, tests our faith in Him. Sorry, I had to shut my door. Um, That's fine. But at the same time. He built Job up. Job come out of it. I mean, I'm in Isaiah. That's why I can't find it. I'm in Isaiah. Let me get back to Job. So the Bible says God blessed him and and gave him back plus. Right. All my, all my, when my browser reset, all my notes disappeared too. So I'm, I'm playing this by ear now. Okay. Depending too much on technology today. <laughs> so I've mentioned it before. Everything God does, God does for his own glory. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We were created for God's glory. Mm-hmm. We were created to worship him. Let me find my verse here. Joseph's running dry right now. He's got no notes. He's just he just got an open Bible. I am. My Bible, my, my computer like really went stupid, which is what causes the break. <laughs> We're testing your pastoral <laughs> abilities now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I was preaching a sermon. I'd have studied more. Or I'd actually printed my notes out. <laughs> So if you look at um, really all of chapter 41 of Job, okay, um, God illustrates his power and his majesty. Right. So the situation of what happened to Job, God's used it for his own glory. Mm-hmm. He's used it to uh, prove Satan wrong, which God already knew the outcome before any of this even happened. But... Um, I guess sometimes Satan needs to be proved wrong. Let's see in verse forty or chapter forty-two, verse one. The Job answered the Lord and said, "I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsels counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and will speak." I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, and now mine eyes have seen thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So the ultimate outcome of all of this, as Job said right there, I've heard you, God, but now I see you. Mm-hmm. And it says, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So whereas Job is a righteous man, the Bible doesn't say Job was a perfect man. Right. So Job has repented of something here. So while it was a test of faithfulness, and while it was, it wasn't even a contest, but God used the affliction of Job to prove Satan wrong, to bring himself glory, to bring himself righteousness, and to open Job's eyes, and to bring him to repentance or something the reward for this is God restored and doubled all of Job's possessions. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on it because I feel like you're probably right. You make a great argument, 
and I'm probably wrong in what, I, what I'm about to say, but the argument that I made on the morning brew, like I said, it's probably wrong and I'm probably blaspheming God here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it just to provide some perspective, is that I'm going to say that God is not always good. And it, it sounds taboo, even saying it, it sounds taboo to say like, <laughs> but that he's, he's a just God. He's always fair. He's a very fair God, but that I think that he puts his own glorification over his goodness to us, if that makes any sense. And so, like I said, I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to run with it is that God wants to be glorified more than he wants anything in the whole world and so him putting or allowing job to be put through this this torment proves a point that even though he isn't even though bad things happen to us he is still worthy of being praised and he's still worthy of being glorified and you said on one of the podcasts, it might've even been the last one that even if we were damned to hell for with no, no way out, he is still worthy of our praise because he is, he is that powerful and that awesome of a guy. Right. But, and that might be making a, a case for he's good, but I, I would say that he, because I don't, I don't think he was good to Joe because I, the Bible that I know of other than that verse when you, that you said when he was repenting, which everybody need everybody's a sinner, but Job didn't do as much. Like, I don't think he was exactly deserving of this punishment, but he's got still allowed it to happen. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trailing off here, but I, like I said, I'm probably wrong with that, and <laughs> I might have to go repent for blaspheming. But <laughs> it's 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 just my initial thoughts on it. And like I said at the beginning, God hasn't shown me something else, but I've been thinking about it for about the last 24 hours, and so I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to keep going after repentance here. Okay. Um. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words on the Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz and Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me that thing that is right my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept from him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that ye have not spoken of me in things which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz and Temanite and Bilidad and Shuhite and Zophar, man, these words, the Naamthite went and did according to the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. So, I wouldn't say what you're saying was blasphemous. I've heard much worse. <laughs> um, but it also boils down to, A, we don't know Job's personal life or his past. Mm -hmm. B, we don't know what was going on at that point. So the book wasn't written by Job. This is, The book was written about Job from somebody. Right. So we do have information missing. I don't think God allowed this to happen just because. Right. Does that make sense? Right. The other thing is that we don't have the, the right and we don't have the ability to tell God what he's thinking. And we would, may never comprehend. And that's the beauty of it is that we may never comprehend. We may, until we get to heaven, we're never going to know what God's plan is until we talk to him face to face, we are never going to know what's going through his mind. And that's maybe the beauty of it because, and I think there's a Bible verse about that, but we as people do not know the whole, we don't even know a fraction of what's going on 
in God's through what's going through his head. And so we can sit here and debate it until we're blue in the face, but really neither one of us, I don't think there's exactly a set answer, you know? I, I think it goes back to what I, what I said earlier in, in mm-hmm. the podcast. I said suffering may sometimes be allowed in our lives to purify, to test, to teach, or to strengthen the soul by showing us that when we have lost and only God remains, God remains enough. God deserves and requests our love and praise regardless of our lot in life. God will deliver all suffering believers either in this life or in the life that is to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, no, go ahead. And I, I say all this like, oh, he's not always good. God has been more than good to me. He's been so good to me. But I'm just, this is more of a philosophical on another on another level, you know. See, now, if you think at one point, Job does question God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so maybe that's why the test was there. Mm-hmm. There was that something in Job that God needed to get out of him. Right. Because the ultimate lesson he learns, what I got wrote down here is, he learns a valuable lesson about the sovereignty of God and his need for totality and trust in, the, in, in God. Mm-hmm. So that may have been something Job was lacking. God needed to fix that anyway and use this opportunity to do that. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if you had absolute complete faith in God, that even after months of this, you wouldn't question it. Right. Now, I, I don't know a human alive on earth that has that kind of faith in God, right. but I don't. Right. I you know, after after two weeks of a toothache, not hardly sleeping at night, you know, I was literally praying, God, just let me sleep tonight, just take it away for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about the wrath of God? Do you think that that is also good? Because the Bible talks about God. God is a wrathful person. Yes, God is a wrathful being. Okay, go into that. Explain. God has never unleashed His wrath just because. Right, I, I agree with that. So. What do you, so back to the parenting thing. (laughs) God just threw something at me. Um, (laughs) Two years ago, I caught my youngest son, or my youngest son was caught stealing from students Mm -hmm. at his school. What do you do in that situation? You don't give him a hug and talk about it. Right, discipline. Right. So... You know, God could send an army of angels with switches and switch everybody, but mm-hmm. if you make an example of, say, Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. So look at Sodom. God wiped Sodom, Sodom off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't over homosexuality like a lot of people think it was. Um, I think that, that was an aspect, but I think that there's definitely something bigger there. I think it was more of like idols, wasn't it? Hold on one second. Okay. I think it's in Isaiah. Because in Genesis, it just talks about their wickedness. But um, that's what I'm looking for. No, that's not what I was looking for. Ezekiel. Y'all bear with me. <laughs> Kyle's throwing questions at me again. <laughs> I do enjoy I'm right there with Nate though. I do enjoy your questions. It keeps me on my toes. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know where I'm going with my questions. I just kind of throw them <laughs> out there. And like like even now I'm I'm still thinking about this and I've this most of what I've said in the last thirty minutes has been me thinking it through myself and just speaking out, just thinking out loud, you know. And now you got me second guessing the point that I just made in front of Hundred Jew and all these great men that were listening. <laughs> so Ezekiel sixteen, starting at verse forty-eight, and says, "As I live, saith the Lord, Sodom, thy sister." He's talking to Jerusalem. 
Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters hath thou, uh, as thou hast done, and hast thy daughters. Behold, it was full of iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Mm-hmm. So you look at why was Sodom, everybody says, you know, Sodom, sodomy, Sodom was destroyed because of homosexuality. Maybe that's included in the abomination mm-hmm. that's talked about right there. But in Ezekiel, the Lord says that, what, she was prideful? fullness of bread and abundance of idleness mm-hmm. everybody was fat and lazy yep um and, and in her daughters neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy she didn't help anybody that needed help mm-hmm. if you're starving outside the city gate they just let you starve everybody inside was fat and happy and lazy right mm-hmm. and they were hot and they were haughty and committed abominations abomination could be homosexuality could be whatever um so that's why God destroyed Sodom. Right. So all these things were very much against what God's commanded that we do. Mm-hmm. Is very much what, if you think about that list, go through that list and think about Jesus' teachings. Jesus taught against these very same things as well. Mm-hmm. So to me, God punishes people that need to be punished. Right. Sometimes if they're so wicked, that there's no hope for him. Look at the flood. Mm-hmm. The earth was abundant and full of wickedness, and God just, right. all right, well, let's start over again. Right. God knows our hearts, and while we can question why God does what he does and why he seeks the punishment he seeks and why he wipes the city out and spares this city, mm-hmm. ultimately God knows the heart of the people. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. So God looked at Sodom, and what, what, was the, what was the argument he had with Abraham? If you can find this many people. Okay, well, if you can find this many people. They got down to, what, five people? If you can just find five good people, I'll spare the city of Sodom, and he couldn't. Right. So knowing the wickedness that was in their hearts, while we can question things, God knows the hearts, and God knows what punishment will change, and if none will change, do you just leave them alone and allow that wickedness to spread? No. Or do you, or do you stop it? Do you stop it out before you, yeah. these people can corrupt other people and yeah, lead other people away from God? Yeah. So I, I guess I probably just changed my mind. I have to agree with you because he, he has a reason for everything that he does, and I don't know the reason all the time, and I hardly ever know the reason, honestly. But I don't think any of us do. Right. And but. He is a very fair God. He is. The Bible says that he's a just God, which means fair. And the Bible does say that he's a good God. But I was, my question was all the time, and I think you you answered that very well, that he is good all the time, and you're you're probably right on that. I could be wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're more right than I am. <laughs> I was just kind of. I was just hoping to provide some perspective and play devil's advocate and get a conversation. And I think we did get a very good conversation out of that. Oh, I love playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I'll argue for stuff I don't believe in just, just to create <laughs> the discussion. <laughs> so you said you had some closing notes. I'm done. I got, I've given everything. Um, Oh, well, I, I had closing notes, but everything's gone. Oh, they're gone. But, uh, I, I can conclude this in saying that we can take the story of Job and the suffering of Job, and it teaches us the lesson that if we have faith in God through all hardships, mm-hmm. even if God's the one that brings that hardship to us, if we remain in that faithfulness, ultimately God will bless us at the end of it all. Yes. So yes. Job, Job is a lesson of trial and faith and majesty of God. Mm-hmm. I agree. And with that, do you have anything else you would like to add? That's it. Okay. It's been real good. I am jealous that you were on that podcast. Hunter Drew, get, <laughs> if you listen to this, get Joseph. <laughs> he offered me once, but it was like the night before and I had an early morning meeting and I couldn't go on and he's never offered it since. Yeah. 
that's how he did that's how he did me too boy nate kind of messaged me at noon the the day before on tuesday and said hey i'm thinking of with we're working on this would you be open and i said yeah and then i didn't get details about it until until 10 30 that night and so <laughs> <laughs> pretty last minute thing but i it was good i had a lot of fun and hunter if you was a good show this, i enjoyed watching it yeah Hunter, if you're listening, I'm I'm joking about the Joseph thing. Do whatever you want, <laughs> and I appreciate you more than you know. So that's all I got. Um, I'll, I'll say a prayer and then we'll end it up. Okay. All right, brother. All right, sounds good. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get here and talk today. Um, God, we pray that you would help us to get something out of the life of Job and out of the, the stuff that he went through. God, we don't know, always know what your plan for us is, but we've, I pray that you give us the strength to to trust your plan, God, and to always serve you through it. Um, God, I want you to bless Joseph and his family today and my family also. God, be there with me as I go forward with some of the stuff that I'm working on. Be there with Joseph also. Um, and God, if there's anybody that can get anything out of this message, Lord, I pray that you touch their hearts and have them reach out to us and reach out to somebody so that they might move forward and start serving you, Lord. And all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I'll see you next week. All right, brother. All right. Bye. There's a record. Uh,